What a privilege to talk about Jesus Christ. You know, that's a name which is so misused in the world today. People use it as a swear word. They don't know who they're talking about. They don't know God. This is what I said to somebody one day. A young man came in to me once. He says, man, I'm getting so upset. Every time I get to work, they use Jesus' name in vain. And I just want to tell them there. And then I said, you know what? The Jesus they are cursing is not my Jesus. Because they don't know him. Because if they do know him, they will be fearful to do what they do. So yes, it upsets me that people do that. But they do it in ignorance. But I'm talking to you today because I do know him. The question is, is do you know him? Do you know him really? So we started a week ago in the Gospel of Mark. And we looked at an introduction and we're going to work through this, this Gospel verse by verse chapter by chapter, put, to put everything in context. And this is how we need to come to the Word of God. We can't just grab stuff out of context and build your own little stories around it. It will hurt you more than you put it in context. Context gives you the whole counsel of God's Word, and it's all about Jesus. So last week we saw, we need to understand, and this is what Mark is going to tell us, is who is Jesus? Why did He come and what should we do? Why did he die on the cross? These are questions which needs to occupy your whole life. But now if I look in the world, this is not the questions the world are asking. And some churches don't even ask this question anymore. Jesus Christ, everything in the church needs to come back to Jesus. So today I want to talk to you about the good news. The good news. And let me tell you that Jesus Christ is good news. Is he for you? In your life, in your circumstances, in your situation, the only good news that you will get is Jesus Christ. And we looked at this last week. When Mark kicks off, he says the beginning of the gospel. And we looked at the word gospel last week. It comes from that Greek word euangelion. Euangelion. He says the beginning of the euangelion. That's what he says if you're a Greek. And he uses the prefix eu, which means good, and angelion, preferring or pointing towards an angel who's a messenger. So it is the bearer of good news, of something good. This is what the gospel is all about. And the gospel is good news. So when I talk about good news here, we're talking about the gospel, the eu angelion. And it's good for us to understand that. Remember... When these people went out back in the day to the war, to the battlefields, they sent a messenger back to the city. And this messenger runs as fast or is on a horseback as fast as he can. And the whole city sits there in anticipation. What is going on on the war on the front? And this man will coming on and he will shout, Gospel! It's good if they are victorious. Brothers and sisters, you and I are in a battle today. We've got an enemy, a foe. There's a war going on for your mind, for your soul. And I want to say there's a messenger. We will hear about the messenger shortly. But the message is good. It is the gospel. And we need to preach this more and more. Because let me tell you, this type of preaching is, is diminishing. People don't preach the gospel anymore. It, it fascinates me. It's amazing for me to understand that people will not give the world good news. 
You want to give somebody good news. And this is that good news. You see, somebody said once, the gospel is neither a discussion nor a debate. It is an announcement. It is an announcement. There's too many people today who try to discuss whether the Bible is true or not. Try to discuss whether Jesus did come or not. Try to discuss who Jesus is or they debate about it. Let's debate this. There's no debate that needs to happen here. The gospel is an announcement. It is something that happened. The problem is, if you want to debate it, if you want to discuss it, then you've got a choice. No, no. When he comes and he announces it, you need to react. You need to react to the gospel, to the good news. I said it over the table this morning. When Adam and Eve sinned, or when Adam sinned in the Garden of Eden, we are born in his image, in Adam's image, the fallen nature. You say, but wait a minute, it says there in Genesis that we were made after the image and the likeness of God. Yes, that's first man, but then sin entered in. And from that point onwards, whether you like it or not, you are born in a sinful nature. And you need good news. You need to understand that you're lost and you need a savior. And this is what it is. It's not. It's an announcement. The announcement is made. Let me just say it as well. That God do not need you to be God. For some people it will be a shock. God is God on his own. If you turn your back on God, you say, no, I'm going to turn my back on you, God. I'm going to walk out and, and just watch this. If I walk out the door, you know more a God. Is that going to work? No, he's God and God alone. And you know what he does? He announces to us the good news. This is what Mark does. He says, in the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. You might sit there and you go, well, preacher, you're repeating yourself so many times. I, I, I could, if I could only repeat myself a million times over, that would be good because it's about the good news. He says, it is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, Mark is going to show us Jesus Christ, the servant. He's a servant who came to, to serve us. You go, wait a minute, but he's a king. How does a king become a servant? Exactly what Mark is going to tell us in this gospel. He came to serve you and me. Remember when the disciples came in the upper room and he put the, the servant rope around him and he started washing their feet? They said, Peter was the big mouth. He says, oh Lord, oh no, oh no, you can't wash my feet. I need to wash your feet. And Jesus said to him, he says, Simon Peter, he says, if I do not wash your feet, you've got nothing in me. And then Peter says, oh Lord, not only my feet, but my whole body. You see, Jesus Christ came to serve. And this is what Mark is telling us. Jesus Christ, the servant. We see this in Mark chapter 10, verse 45. He says, For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. How privileged are we? Honestly. Let's just become real here. How privileged are you sitting here today? That Jesus Christ came to die for you. For you. To come and serve you. To go all the way to the cross for you. You say, but you don't know my life. No, I don't need to know your life. All I need to know and tell you is that Jesus Christ came to serve you. As the servant from the throne of God. 
But what is the gospel? And we find an explanation of the gospel that Paul gives us. He says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 1, if you want to tell somebody what the gospel is, underline this in your Bible. Or learn this off by heart. He says in 1 Corinthians 15, 1, he says, Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel. You see? He didn't say, I'm going to discuss now with you, or let's have a debate. He comes to them and he says, I declare to you the gospel. This is the gospel which I preach to you, which also you received and in which you stand. You see? We need to make a stand. What is the gospel again? The gospel is the good news. He's going to explain now what the good news is. He says, I preach this to you. I declare it to you. You received it. You see, these words is important. Oh, I love words. Have you received the gospel? You see, you can't stand in something that you haven't received. This is how plain it is. Oh, you, you, you put on all of the clothes like a Christian. Mom and dad is a Christian. Mom and dad goes to church. Wife goes to church. Husband goes to church. Oh, they serve the Lord. And you just put on the clothes and you walk with them. And you look like a Christian. And everybody say you're a Christian. But let me just say what the Word of God says. If you haven't received it, you can't stand in it. This is what Paul says. To the letter of the Word. He says, I've received it. I declare to you something which he received. The gospel which I preach to you. What is your message? He says, by which also you are saved. Who wants to be saved from sin? There is the method right there. Let's look, let, let the word speak to us today. I'm not here to tell you stories. Let Paul speak and the Holy Spirit through his word speak to you. These are important things to understand. You receive it, you stand in it, and what happens? You are saved by it. If you hold fast to that word which I preach to you. You want to know what is the word there, the Greek word for the word word there? Logos. Logos. Now let me excite you. John chapter 1 verse 1. In the beginning was the what? The Word. What is the Greek word? Logos. And the Logos was with God. Oh, that is good. Would you say? If you say that the Word was with God, but listen to this now. He says, and the Word was God. And the Word was God. Not like the Jehovah Witnesses say he was a God. No, no, he was God and he still is God. Now look at this now. He says, if you hold fast that word which I preach to you, unless you believe in vain. Who wants to believe in vain? Waste your time. Come in here and just in vain I believe. Is this powerful or what? The word of God. But he continues on now because he says, I've preached to you, you receive it, you stand in it, and you are saved by that. And then he goes on to say in verse 3, For I delivered to you first of all, which I also received. I love it when Paul writes, because Paul always says, I can't give you anything if I haven't received it. And how many times did he use that word? He says that Christ died for our sins. Somebody shout hallelujah. Christ died for our sins. This is what I preach to you. This is part of the good news. Can you see 
Eu Angelion. The good news is that Christ died for our sin according to the Scriptures. According to the Scriptures. And He was buried. They took Him to a tomb and He rose again. Again, we need to say hallelujah, praise the Lord, He's risen. And here it is. He rose again on the third day according to the Scriptures. You see, it's amazing. How many times did He repeat the word Scriptures there now? Come on. Twice already. Yet... A lot of people are throwing the scriptures away. Oh, it's all about revelation, revelational knowledge now. I don't need to... T- this is moldy old pages. God will reveal it to me. Yes, He'll reveal it once you open up the scriptures. He'll reveal it when that happens. But it takes effort and time. He says, according to the scriptures, verse 5, and that He was what? He was seen by Cephas. That's Peter. Then by the twelve. This is the witness. After that he was seen by over 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remained to the present. He's only saying this, a lot of these people are still alive. And they can tell you, they saw Jesus after he was risen from the grave. And some have fallen asleep, so they are dead. After that he was seen by James, then by the apostles. That is the gospel. That is the good news. And you know what, I can just stop speaking right now, get in my car and go, and I thank the Lord for the public reading of His Word. Now some, it would have gone in. But some people might be sitting here and occupied in their brains with something that's going to happen this week, or something that happened last week. You see, this is the amazing thing about the Gospel of God. It's not dependable on the, upon the preacher. I'm just sowing the seed. It is the one who receives it in. And again, I come back to this. I needed to preach on this word today. He says it so many times. He says, if you receive it and you stand in it, you will be saved. Are you receiving what I'm preaching today? This is so wonderful. Now let's read about this good news. In Mark chapter 1 verse 1, we're just going to look at the first 11 verses quickly today. He says, Mark chapter 1 verse 1, he says, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in the prophets, behold, I sent my messenger before your face. Who will prepare your way before you? The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Jesus came baptizing in the wilderness and preaching a baptism or John came baptizing in the wilderness a baptism of repentance for the remission of sin then all the land of Judea and those in Jerusalem went out to see him and were all baptized by him in the Jordan River it's a place called Betabara that's the physical place confessing their sin Now John was clothed with camel hair, with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locust and wild honey. That's a good diet, isn't it? Locust and wild honey. And he was preaching, saying, There comes one after me, who is mightier than I, whose sandal strut I'm not worthy to stoop down and loose. I indeed baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Some person will again grab that uh, locust and wild honey and go, yeah, this is a, a diet for Christians. We need all go on that if you want to lose some weight. Okay? Don't buy into that, okay? 
Verse 9, it came to pass in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And immediately, I love it, 32 times in this gospel, you're going to hear this word of this man. Immediately, he's a man of action. This whole book is a book of action. It is as if, you know, what's that word doing there? You know, he was baptized by John in, in, in the Jordan and coming out of the water, that's what I would have said. But he says, no, no, immediately coming up from the water, he saw, look at this, he saw the heavens parting and the spirit descending upon him like a dove. It wasn't a dove. Let me clear. It was like a dove. He compared that experience to a dove floating down from heaven. Then a voice came from heaven. You are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Immediately, there's that word again. Immediately, the spirit drove him into the wilderness. And we know that Jesus was then tempted for 40 days in the wilderness. So we're just going to look at these verses. First of all, today I want to talk about the witnesses. If we talk about Jesus Christ, somebody had to witness this. And the Bible says on two or three witnesses a case will stand. If you go into a court of law, you need to bring your witnesses with you. What is a witness? A witness is somebody who saw the action happening, and they can testify to that. If we say today that Jesus Christ is Lord, we then need to understand that somebody can witness to that. Well, we have it here. First witness is Mark. Let's call him into the courtroom. Mark writes here in Mark 1.1, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. How many times have I quoted that verse already? I hope you can now by, by now quote it without the Bible. What is he witnessing? He's witnessing that Jesus is the Christ. He's witnessing that Jesus is the Son of God. Now let me talk about that for a minute or two. Because a lot of people have got a problem with that. That Jesus is the Son of God. You see, when you talk to Islam, they'll say Jesus is a prophet. He's only a prophet. He's not God. He's not the Son of God. And let me just say it here as, as well, that we are not serving the same God as Islam. We are not serving Allah. You and I as Christians are not serving Allah. Allah is not Elohim. We are serving Elohim. Elohim is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They will say it's one supreme God. And you would, you would be amazed at how many Christians bow to that, accept that, for the sake of peace. We are not. Because let me say this, Allah had no son. That's the difference. And here he says it right there. Here is a testimony. Here is a witness to say that Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus, he, he's also witnessing that Jesus came to wash us with the Holy Spirit according to verse 8. And according to verse 4, what do we need to do? We need to repent. So, Mark, he was living in those days. He most probably saw Jesus. He most probably listened to Jesus. He had a very good relationship with Peter. And a lot of people, a lot of the scholars today believe that he was actually the one writing down what Peter told him about Jesus as well. Because he wasn't one of the men who walked with Jesus like Peter did. Yet he writes a gospel. In fact, he at one stage ran away from the ministry. 
He turned his back on the ministry. And, and I always think about this. If you think about Peter, Peter turned his back on Jesus, didn't he? And Mark did the same. So birds of a feather flocked together. And these men came together. And here he writes and he witnessed to these things. So Mark is the first witness that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. Now, you know, we haven't got the flags out today because if the wind blows, it blows the flags on. But that is why when we put our flags out, what, have you seen what's standing on your, on your flags? On our banners outside? We proclaim to the world, Jesus is Lord. And this is what he's testifying about. So who's the second witness? The prophets. The prophets witness to this. Mark chapter 1 verse 2, as it's written in the prophets, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare the way before you, the voice of one crying in the wilderness. This was prophesied way before John the Baptist came on the scene. By whom? By Malachi. In Malachi chapter 3 verse 1, he says, this is a prophecy from God through Malachi to the nation. He says, Behold, I sent my messenger. Look at this. He says, I'm going to send my messenger. And here, John the Baptist says, Behold, I sent my messenger before your face. He says, I am that man. John the Baptist is the man that was prophesied by Malachi. He says, I sent my messenger. He will prepare the way before me, the capital letter me, that's Jesus Christ, and the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. Brother Glenn, he's coming again. Are you waiting for him? You know what I want to say? Behold, he's coming. And his coming is very close. Here we find a man, he came out, he walks down to Betabara, he looks like a prophet. He's got leather over him. He's got a leather belt around him. He's eating honey and he's eating locusts. He lives like a prophet. For 400 years, God's voice was quiet. And for the first time, this man comes out. And the first thing he says is, Behold, I send a messenger. I am that man that Malachi prophesied about. He uses a second one, Isaiah 43. He says, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight the desert and a highway for our Lord. So he uses the same words of Isaiah saying, I am that voice in the wilderness. So he is the second witness that Jesus Christ is Lord. So who's the third witness then? John the Baptist. John the Baptist. Not only the prophets, the second one, but John the Baptist himself. He looks like one a, 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 a prophet. He carries camel hair. He went out and he, he, he baptized people in the remission of sin. And then he says, there comes one after me who is mightier. So John the Baptist himself saw Jesus coming. And we see this in, in John chapter 1 verse 21. 9. The next day John saw Jesus coming to him and he said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. It's of him who I say after me comes one who is before, before me. So John the Baptist witnessed about Jesus Christ. Now here is the amazing thing. Because people believe that everybody saw the heaven open. I believe it was only him who saw when the heaven opened up. And the Holy Spirit came down like a dove and rested upon Jesus. So that he can become that witness. 
the witness before the Lord, the witness for us. So, as we close on this morning, who is the third witness then? We have the first witness was Mark, we had the prophets, then we had John the Baptist, and now we find the Father and the Holy Spirit. They are the next witness that we need to look at. Mark chapter 1 verse 4, it came to pass in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth, and what happened? Immediately after he came out of the water, the heavens opened up, and what happened? A voice came down from heaven. And what did the voice say? You are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. That's the witness from heaven. That's the witness from the Father. He says, you are my son. And he said it in the beginning. He says, I bring you the gospel of Jesus Christ, the son of God. So this is the good news that he's proclaiming to us. In John chapter 1 verse 32, he says, And John bore witness, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and he remained upon him. So he bears that witness to us, that he saw the heaven open. And I'll tell you one thing, brother and sister, if we hear a voice from heaven shouting out today or speaking, people will fret, they will run away. So it's amazing that when he baptized him and, and the heaven opened up, he speaks, and it's John who hears that voice. So in conclusion this morning, we've had all of these witnesses talking to us about the good news. Do you know who the good news is? You need to know. Because I'm telling you, <coughs> excuse me, in a few years' time, and not so long from now, you will not hear people talking about Jesus, but you need to be that voice. You need to be the witness. You witness Him because He lives in you. And He is with you. So the question is, what should we do? Remember, <coughs> when we started, we said we're going to see who Jesus is, why He died, and what should we do. So what should we do now that we know? Now that we know, many people think that Jesus doesn't matter. They may believe Jesus come, but that does not change them. And this is the problem. People follow Jesus, but their lives are never changed. This is what I say before. They come in and you dress just like a Christian, and when you fill out the form, they say, what religion are you? You put down Christian, and you feel so proud when you write the word Christian in there. But the question here this morning is, has your life been changed by Jesus? Or are you still living your old life? Remember, who received Him. You had to receive the Word. And what happens then? You have to stand by the Word. And you are saved by the Word. <coughs> and here it is, but does not change them. In verse 4, we find the answer. John came baptizing in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance to remission of sin. Now, I know that he came, this baptism of repentance is before Jesus Christ came. But in Mark chapter 1, verse 14, and we're going to look at that next week or next time, he says, now after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee doing what? Preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. And what did he say? The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent. That's the message. And believe in the gospel. So you and I are challenged this morning. What should you do? What should I do now that we know Him? 
we should repent, we should change. And we're going to look at that word repentance. We're going to look at the word change. How do we need to change? And this is the important part for us, repent. What are you doing? Now that you know Him. And the question is, do you know Him? Do you know Him? Do you know the Holy Spirit? I want to read to you one verse. If somebody can call my lovely wife. I'm finished this morning. In John chapter 16. This is always amazing for me when I read this verse. Chapter 14 verse 16. He says, And I will pray the Father. This is Jesus Himself. I will pray the Father. And He will give you another Helper that He may abide with you forever. Now, it's a lovely verse to have. I will pray the Father, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the one who came to serve us by dying on a cross for you and for my sin. He says, I will pray the Father and He will send you another helper. But this is the verse that really gets me every time. He says, the Spirit of truth, because He will sort you out, whom the world cannot receive because they neither seize Him nor know Him. Now, why can't the world receive Him? Because they, they don't know Him and they can't see Him. He says, they cannot receive Him, but neither sees Him nor knows Him, but you know Him. But you know Him. This is the question. Do you know Him? This is what it's all about. This is what the preaching is. For He dwells with you and will be in you. And I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. How wonderful is that? That we can know Him intimately. Jesus Christ, the good news. So if somebody asks you tomorrow, what is the gospel? Will you know now? The gospel, the good news is Jesus Christ. But not only the word. The demons call His name out and they shudder, they fear. What did Jesus do? He came, He died, He was buried. This is what we saw in, in, in uh, Corinthians. But then He rose again. Amen? And I leave you with this. What should we do? We should change. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank You this morning for Your Word. We thank You, Lord, for the Word Jesus Christ, the good news. The Eo Angelion, the message to us. The message from heaven. The Son of God who left heaven, the place of glory to come and dwell on this earth, took on the form, as it says in the book of Philippians, as a servant, came and He served us by dying on the cross for our sin. Father, we've learned so many. We saw the witnesses this morning. Mark, who writes this, the prophets who prophesied, John the Baptist, the Father who spoke from heaven. Father, and we also saw the Holy Spirit come down, rested upon Him, filled Him. And Father, here we are today. We are the same, Lord. As we come to Christ, Christ, 